This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. It is great to see you here today. I'm so glad to be here with you. If you're new or visiting, you're kind of coming to the end of a conversation. We've been looking for the last several weeks at the book of Galatians. I think this is part seven in our series. And we've been trying to get our heads around this idea of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I just want to tell you, my hope in this series is that you would come to know the gospel, that you would know the simple and elegant message of why Jesus came, and then you would know it at such a core level that you would own it and defend it and then would reject all other all other types of messages because they're really not gospels at all and they'll lead you astray. We've been looking at this book and if you've been with us through this series, you've kind of picked up on the fact that, hey, this is about church life. This is about how I live in a community of faith. And that's exactly how this book, this letter was written. Uh, it was written actually to um, a region called Galatia Scholars are a little mixed, but they think there was probably not one, but maybe six or even eight churches that were gathering, just like we are today, to hear these words. And again, uh, we're going to dig right in this morning. So if you got a Bible, I would love for you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Um, if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a Bible app, I want to give you a gift this morning. I haven't said this in a while, but uh, we believe that God's Word is the most important thing in your life. And we actually want to give you a gift. We want to give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a modern translation, if you just kind of reach the seat pockets in front of you on those racks, you'll find a Bible. If you don't have one, you can take one home. Merry Christmas, our gift to you this morning. So as you're finding your way to Galatians chapter 5, let me give you, I don't know, another gift this morning. It's a bit of a, a factoid. Uh, I actually found it hard to get anything done this week once I learned this. And here it is. Did you know that squirrels can fly? Seriously, like one squirrel in particular, the red squirrel, can fly. Check this guy out. Here's where all the puns come in. This is nuts, right? Like, check this out. This is incredible. Um, look at this. You got this next guy. It's kind of like superhero ninja squirrel. And then you've got this next one, very biblical. This is the walk on water squirrel. Um, I like this one, kind of dueling Squirrels who did it better. And then this one's for all my CrossFit friends in the back here. You gotta kinda wait for this one. Check this out, you've got clean and jerk, right there. Nailed it, right, just nailed it. I love this, in fact, these are uh, high res photographs. These aren't AI generated or anything like that. Some of you are probably sitting here this morning wondering, why is he talking about squirrels? What on earth does this have to do with the book of Galatians? I'll be honest, probably not very much, but I love this and wanted to share it with you. I was led by the Spirit to show those images, and maybe, just maybe, there's something we can learn from that little squirrel. I think in a lot of ways, we come to the Christian faith, we come to a book like this, Galatians, and sometimes we just gotta, gotta take flight with our faith. And maybe be challenged and not shy away from the challenge and actually allow the challenge of Scripture to take us maybe to, to new levels, new places that we've never been with our faith. Another way of thinking of this is kind of like looking beyond just the words and saying, how do I apply this text, a difficult text, to my life? In fact, I've said throughout this series that the book would get easier, it would get less technical in nature. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that the message gets easier. In fact, I think this message is one of the hardest and yet at the same time, one of the most important messages we could learn from this little book. In fact, as a church, I know so many of you are new to our community. I want to just tell you that why we exist, we're here to help you, to transform you from being a spiritually hungry person to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I think what's missing a lot of times in our faith journey is what I hope to give you this morning. And that's a message that I hope that you would learn, and it's how to be led by the Spirit of God. I want you to think this morning about how to set your entire life, like everything inside of you, your whole being, kind of like that little squirrel again. I mean, just all that is in you to set it in the mark of being led by the Spirit. That's the bullseye. That's sort of the direction, the goal that we want to go this morning. And I want to tell you, this is so important. In fact, I couldn't think of a more timely uh, experience to have where we would learn to be led by the Spirit. Because in this day, I don't know, this season, call it, Christmas season, or maybe all of 2023, we just, we need this. We need this direction of the Spirit. In fact, if you aren't led by the Spirit in this season, it can be disastrous. In fact, in this season, you could be very easily led, I don't know, in the path of consumerism, right? And I want to spare you from that. Um, you could be led in the spirit of consumerism, and it's just buy, 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 consume, consume, consume. And with that will come great regret. Let me tell you, it will happen when your credit card bill arrives sometime in January. This season, if you're not led by the Spirit, I think other things will happen. Mentally, we find this season to be very challenging. You could be led in the direction of anxious, worried thoughts. Or this season could be full of, of just maybe difficulty or depression, or maybe you come upon the holiday season and, and you start having this reminder of, of grief and loss and people that, that aren't with you at those holiday celebrations. I, I got to tell you, I think we need this message now more than ever to be led by the Spirit of God. And this is exactly the aim of this book and our author, the pastor, Paul. He is working really hard as a pastor over these churches, six or eight of them, to get them to understand that your life can have so much more meaning and purpose if you allow it to be led by the Spirit of God. In fact, he would say at one point that he's in pain until they learn this, right? Do you remember that? He said that, that he's in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in them. That's his hope, and that's my hope as well. I've been reading this book and, and kind of just picking up on how, you know, really, although the times have changed, um, the things happening in the church and in our lives really are no different than 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote these words. In fact, I, I read about this church, and I think in a lot of ways it's no different than, I don't know, any church in West Michigan or this church specifically. Um, it's full of really good people. And then in this church, in these churches in Galatia, a couple of bad apples, right? It's really good people who started off well. Paul knew them. He saw them give their life to Jesus. He probably baptized many of them. He saw them get into God's word, start learning, start growing. They were showing up for worship services. They were attending. They were giving faithfully. But then something happened. Those bad apples, right? Because where there are sheep, there will always be wolves. And these wolves started to kind of share this, this other alternative message. Oh, it's not, that's so, you know, that's so, you know, 
33 AD, right? Like you need this new way of thinking. You need Jesus and you need the customs of the Jewish faith. And Mike talked last week about how these, these false teachers would cut in on, start getting people to obey alternatives to the truth of God. And it's literally killing people's faith. They're getting them to buy into the fact that they need to follow rules like you have to be circumcised or you have to eat certain food, certain clean food. And while circumcision isn't a concern for us today or, or kosher-oriented foods, we have other ways in which we add to the gospel of Jesus. We add our own rules. I don't know, I've grown up in West Michigan and I've grown up in the church and you could at times maybe get bought into thinking, well, a certain denomination is the you know, premier, the right denomination. And I don't know, I, my mother-in-law would always say, you know, if you're not Dutch, you're not much, right? That's kind of a saying in West Michigan. And, and a lot of times that comes kind of from this, you know, reformed or Christian reformed thinking. We do other things though. We say, well, you know, it's gotta be, maybe we gotta worship in a certain way. You can love Jesus, but you gotta worship liturgically, right? Like you gotta follow this order or you've gotta be very charismatic. You're not really a follower unless you're charismatic with your worship, or you have to pray a certain way. And Paul kind of steps in and he says, these are rules. And I believe that rules lead to religiosity and religiosity just leads to self-righteousness. So Paul says, as their pastor, knock it off. You've got this new faith. You've got this new freedom. Don't allow someone else to cut in on you. And now this morning, he's gonna add to that kind of this direction, this way in which you can be led by the Spirit of God. Now, before we read from Galatians chapter 5, um, I just want to be very honest in saying all this week, uh, I've been thinking about how large of a topic this is, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, right? Like, it's, it's unfair to think that we will do much more in the next 20 minutes than scratch the surface on this topic. But I do hope that God uses this and allows this to kind of be the seed that, that brings you into this closer and deeper relationship through the Spirit of God. So, I want to show you this morning how to be led by the Spirit, and we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. I can't spend a lot of time here. But these opening verses actually give us the foundation for how to be led by the Spirit. And like a lot of the stuff in the book of Galatians, it requires a little explanation. In fact, I need to define a few of the terms that he uses here. The first thing he says is he says, walk by the Spirit. Now, this word walk would better be translated as more of a word like behave. Behave in a way that is honoring to the Spirit of God. Now, he uses the word walk here to give us this image of walking with the Spirit, but I need you to think of it as walking with the Spirit is actually a behavioral activity, right? Now, I love a good walk. I love to take my little dog, Luca, for a walk. I love to go for a hike in the woods. Uh, but let's just be honest. Running is the most God-honoring thing you could do, right? I mean, I know, there are some of you out here, every time I mention the word running, you're like, I love running, preach on it, pastor. And then there are others of you who hate those of us who love to run. So I know how that goes, but let me just tell you, I looked it up, in fact, Pastor Mike preached one of my favorite verses last week, 
verse 7 in this chapter, you were running a good race. I just took kind of a chance and I looked up the word run in the Bible, mentioned some 65 times in the Bible. There you have it. It's biblical. You're welcome. I'll move on now. I promise. So. But honestly and seriously, running or walking is of no value. It's absolutely pointless if the behavior doesn't come with it, if you don't actually change in the way in which you live. And Paul, Paul says that's what matters, that you would behave, that you would walk in a certain way, that you actually change and become more like the Spirit would desire. And then he gives you another word. He says, walk in a certain way so that your behavior changes to the way in which the Spirit, so that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now let's talk about flesh for a moment, right? Kind of a Kind of a big word, and I know when you read that, you might think, oh, he's talking about my skin, right? He's talking about this pasty white skin we have in Michigan in the wintertime, right? Or, or I don't know, I, uh, I just recently took a bow hunting, got a deer a couple of weeks ago. Everything you bow hunters have said about the thrill of the hunt, it's true. They're right. Like, they are so correct. And got a deer, and heart's just pumping mine, not the deer's anymore, right? Like, I get this deer, and deer hunters don't tell you the next phase, which is you actually have to gut this thing, right? And I will spare you the details on that, but I'll just say I spent a lot of time around this carcass that I had created when I shot this deer. Took this deer, had to load it in the back. I don't own a truck. I have a 2003 Honda Element. I don't need a truck. That deer fit perfectly in the back of my little car. Took that to the processor, got to smell that flesh all the way to Saranac where I dropped it off. You know. I'll stop there, but really what he's saying is he's not talking about flesh as an organism, as your skin. The word flesh is actually the word sarks, and it has to do with your sin nature. And what he means by that is sin is so close to you, it's, it's like your skin. It's interwoven into the fabric of who you are, this flesh. You could say that your flesh, this sarks, is sort of your impure desires, it's your impulses. It's maybe at times it's the moments that you wish you could have back. And he says something about this spirit and this flesh. He says the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And if we're going to understand how to be led by the spirit, then we have to get this foundationally right in our life and to realize that there is a war going on within us. That there is this conflict between your flesh, your sin nature, and what the Spirit of God wants for you. And until you understand that, it's, it's really pointless to talk about what the Spirit of God can do in you. You must realize that there's a war. Now, war is never pretty. War is violent. And in just a few moments, he's going to tell you what your flesh really wants, what your flesh is warring for. And as I said, it's not pretty. But war is something that you don't have to go into alone. In fact, I, I don't know, I've been kind of caught up in these movies of war. I love the World War II era, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, a couple people in the church just got me turned on to this uh, documentary series. It was on HBO, now it's on Netflix, called Band of Brothers. Uh, can't stop watching it. I also can't show you a clip from it because it's incredibly violent and I don't want to do that. But I'll just tell you, I'm watching this and if you've never seen this show or followed or read about um, this band of brothers. It was uh, what really detailed the uh, 101st Airborne Division of the Army and how D-Day on the beaches of Normandy was also 
and attacked from our paratroopers and flying in behind enemy lines uh, in, in this region. And it follows this war and how unprepared they were and how difficult it was. And as I'm watching this, though, I'm just I'm picking up on, on how God has never designed us to go to war alone. In fact, you see these two soldiers and they're getting bombed and shelled. And what do they do? They, they, they run and they dive and they take cover in their foxhole, right? And, and then one would pop out and start shooting and give cover to the others. And, and kind of there's this way to think about life does not have to be done alone. And if you're left alone, you're exposed to the enemy. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. When we go to war, we don't have to go to this war, this battle, all by ourselves. That we can actually have this band, or maybe this tribe, or as we would like to say in the church, we can have this group, this small group of people that go through and do life together with us. I think I could make the same plea every week from this stage, which is you need a community around you. You need to take this big church, and you need to surround yourself with the smaller church and a community of people. Another way to think about it, I like to say, is you need to have at least one other person, hopefully more than that, that cares about your spiritual life as much as you do, that is willing to go to war. And that's where groups come in, and that's where we can be a community. And, and I think even in our community life, I want to challenge us this morning, because I think in the war theme, we need to Advance. We need to move our lines forward. In fact, I think in our groups, we need to be more willing to talk about this war that goes on inside of each one of us. He says every single person struggles with the conflict between the flesh and the spirit, and I would encourage you to talk about that. I mean, when was the last time you just asked somebody in your small group or maybe in your home or someone you're close to, what if you just asked them, right? Hey, I heard Ron talking this morning. Let me just ask you, like, what, what's your battle? How's the war going inside of you? You winning? You losing? And maybe beyond just looking for information, it's a conversation that leads you down this path. Because I was saying, we need to advance our lines. We need to move forward. And, and you move forward with kind of a, a thoughtful way of saying, hey, how can I pray for you? Or maybe better, can, how can I pray with you right now? And maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's just checking in. As I said, this can be a real season of, of isolation and loneliness and people being disconnected and struggling on their own. And you just kind of kind of pick up on this, this whole battle idea and you start thinking, you know, I want to reach out to the people around me. And, and maybe you start checking in, you start making phone calls or you start maybe sending texts and just checking in and seeing how people are doing. Hey, how you doing? And you're just kind of as a group, as a community, moving forward in this faith. This is kind of the, the foundation of being led by the Spirit. Now let me show you um, kind of this next section. It's going to be two lists. It's going to be one list that is obviously not in step with the Spirit, and then a second list that we'll get to. We'll get to some really good stuff about how to keep in step with the Spirit. So he continues on in verse 19. He says, For the acts of the flesh are obvious. Gives you a long list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and the like. Who else needed a break right there? Whew, man, needed a break, right? I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now he's talked about these acts of these this flesh desire, and now he shows you what happens when your your flesh acts out. If left unchecked, these are the acts. He says, This is obvious. This is what your flesh wants. And if left unchecked, this is where it will go. And obviously, this long list is a list of not being led by the Spirit. Now, let me just kind of be honest with you for a moment. Um, I've been teaching the Bible for a while now. I've been reading the Bible for even longer. And I'll just be entirely honest with you. Whenever I come to a list like this in the Bible, it doesn't motivate me. In fact, I come to a list and I, I kind of, I had to like purposely slow down as I read that to you. Because I read a list like this and I want to just kind of quickly get through it. And so I've had to kind of put some checks in my own spirit to say, wait a minute, how, how do I read this? If I'm going to teach this, how do I read this and learn this in a way in which my life actually changes? And so a while ago, I kind of came up with a framework for how to read through, well, I'll just say any list. I'm going to give you a framework in just a moment, any list, but this list in particular. But to give you my framework, I got to tell you a little bit how that squirrel, you know, is running around in my brain. I got to tell you how the squirrel works. Um, because the way this hit me is I was thinking about my grandparents, both my grandma and grandpa, actually all my grandparents have passed away, but I'm thinking about uh, my two grandparents on my mom's side. And you've heard me, if you've been around this church, talk about my grandma, Ollie. She was a huge influence in my life. Um, she was a very small woman. She was four foot nine and shrinking to the time of her death. She was losing inches every year. And she loved me dearly and was so, uh, so protective of my faith. She gave me my first Bible. She took me to church every Sunday. You would go for a car ride with grandma and she would make sure to quiz me on the Bible. I didn't always love car rides with my grandma, but she loved me very much and cared deeply about my faith. Now, I've never told you about my grandfather, my grandpa Glenn. And uh, the reason being is, and they were divorced, mind you, for most of my adult life, uh, but my grandfather was the polar opposite of my grandma. In fact, my grandfather was a very large figure. I'm not exaggerating, like 330 pounds and growing to the time of his death. And grandpa, uh, he never asked me a question about my faith and I never had to worry about Bible quiz time in the car with him, but grandpa loved me dearly. Grandma, I would say, was very much about the rules of being a Christian and living a certain way. And my grandfather never met a rule that was worth keeping, right? He was one of those guys. In fact, I would go to the movies with my grandpa, and again, I told you, very large man, he would require that everyone get their own, he'd take the cousins to a movie, and would require that everyone get their own bowl of popcorn. It had to be larger than your torso, like one of those size bowls of popcorn. And then grandpa would say, go ahead and get a couple of candy bars. A couple of candy bars? Like he'd say, yeah, like no more than three, right? Like giant size. I always would go home from the movies with a terrible stomach ache. My grandpa was kind of the opposite. And I think about that, rules, and then kind of this way in which living against the rules. And I think of now this framework, and here's my point. When it comes to your spiritual development, in everything in life, you're going to have a choice as to how you choose to apply it to you. And I would say, this is sort of the framework I want to give you. In fact, you can approach a list like this, and it can kind of be more like rules. One more slide. And one more. And one more. There it is. It can be more like rules. 
It could be more like, well, I'm not going to keep those rules at all. These are here for me to rebel against. Or you can look at a list like this and say, this is the call of a relationship. And this is the part that both my grandparents got right. But I think with the Spirit of God, this is the part we're called to get right all of the time. This relational wholeness that God wants for us. Not rules, not empty rules, not a list that, well, I'm never going to keep those rules anyway, so I might as well rebel. But this is the call of relationship. In fact, I want to go through this list. I already read through it. I want to go back through it, and I want to make just a few points on a few of these that I think are, are worth noting. In fact, this starts in verse 19. He says, these acts of the flesh, he's going to give you three categories of sin. The first sins that will keep you out of being led by the Spirit are sexual in nature, sexual sin. He says, there's sexual immorality, there's impurity, and debauchery. Now, let me just define a few of these for you. Sexual immorality, uh, if you look that up in the Greek language, it's the word porneia. It's where we get the word pornography from. But go back to the ancient mind. They didn't have pornography in the way in which we would imagine it, right? So the word porneia was actually a word used consistently throughout Scripture to speak to any and every sexual sin outside of the covenant of marriage. You can do the work as I've done. Porneia is used every single time to refer to sexual sin outside of the covenant view of marriage between one man and one woman. You might be asking, why are you picking on sexual sins? I'm not. The Bible is making it clear. It goes on to say there's also this level of impurity. Impurity would really speak more to our mind and towards lustful thoughts. And then just in case you don't think he's serious about this, he lists this word debauchery. And the word debauchery actually combines sexual sin with substance abuse. Drugs, alcohol, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what you wanted to call it here. He's making it really clear that this category will lead you away and you will not be led by the Spirit. He goes on. He doesn't play favorites. He shows you that there are other sins as well. He moves from sexual sins to spiritual sins. He lists there idolatry and witchcraft. Now, idolatry, this goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's kind of the biggie, right? That's the first one. And then he says, it's not only putting something between you and God. Witchcraft would be basically saying, well, I want to put the demonic between me and God. And he's saying those two lead you away from the spirit of God. John Calvin has a great line on idolatry. He says that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. This is our flesh again, always trying to dream up something to worship other than God. We need to reject that. He gives you this last category, and it's a big one. And these are... What I would call, not sexual sins, not spiritual sins, but these are sins against each other. And this is a doozy, right? I mean, this list alone we could camp out in. These are sins like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies. He goes back into sexual sin, shows how, what it does to others. And he says all of these, these lead you away. These are not being led by the Spirit. Again, you hear this list. Are these rules? Are these something I'm going to rebel against? No, this is the call of relationship, relational wholeness. And he gives you an either very harsh warning. Those that live like this 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not how we're to live. And there is a path forward, and the path forward, we're gonna read in just a moment, but it requires confession, like accountability with a group of people, a small group, a community. It requires repentance, turning from those ways, and then following and, and keeping in step with the Spirit. Look at what he says about this next left. This is what's possible with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Finishing up in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, here's a list, and the same framework applies. Are these rules to follow? No. Are these things, well, I'll never follow all of these, so I might as well just not even try? No. This is, again, the call of relationship and the Spirit of God nudging, wooing, calling you back to what wholeness looks like in Him. Just one comment I want to make on this is it's the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I've heard people, Christians, well-meaning Christians over the year, talk about it, but they like to add a little S at the end of this. They like to make it plural, right? Because it's a big, long list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And, and so we'll get in this habit of calling it the fruits of the Spirit. And it doesn't say that. I think when we parse it like that and we call it fruits, what we actually do is we kind of give ourselves a little bit of an excuse, right? Like, well, I can't, I can't bear all of these fruits in my life. So, you know, I'm loving, but I'm not very faithful. Or I'm joyful, but it's really just a shell. I don't have a lot of peace in my life. And what I would say to you this morning is this list isn't like something you get to pick from. This is what's possible with the Spirit of God leading your life. All of this fruit, all of it. You can't be committed to just having some of it, but of actually bearing all of this fruit in your life. Does that mean you're perfect? No. Does that mean that you're, you, you never stumble? No. But it means that all of these are what you're striving for in relationship, keeping up, keeping in step with the Spirit of God. Like Jesus, he was the complete example of rejection of the flesh and then a complete sacrifice of his life to being led by the Spirit. And you can too. This is possible for us. The same power that gave Jesus this ability to reject temptation is available to every single one of us. I want to be really clear this morning that that power is available to you. And you can overcome temptation to sin. You can read the Bible and actually learn it and apply it to your life. You can pray for people and not just offer up cliches, but actually believe that God can move and change a situation. You can begin to see lost people saved. You can see saved people grow. You can see the inbreaking and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into this kingdom of God. What's required is this last idea which is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step. Actually, these words kind of mean to live carefully. And that's my hope for you. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for us all this week and just saying, man, God, this is a hard text. And what I want more than anything else is you to hear these words that God gives us his strength. He gives us his power. And he calls us to live carefully in the world around us. And so whatever sin or whatever temptation or whatever struggle or error you fall short in, that there is relationship, not rules, not religiosity, not the rebellion that creeps in from time to time, 
but to keep bringing your sin, your issues, before the Holy Spirit every single day and to keep growing and being led by the Spirit. I want to pray for you this morning. So if you want to bow your heads and just take a moment. I was talking to Eli this morning and just saying that in this time, I just wanted to have a moment for people to have a conversation just between you and God, not between me and you, but just between you and God. And so as I pray for you this morning, Father God, I pray that your spirit would just come and rest on this place. That your spirit would come and would fill every one of our hearts. God, that your spirit would come and as you promised, that you would wash us clean and white as snow. And God, the, the pathway to get there is just simply to, to be honest and to have these moments just between ourselves and you of just honesty. And so let me just ask you this morning if there's anything that's holding you back, that's keeping you from, maybe it's rules, maybe it's rebellion, maybe it's sexual sin or spiritual sin or just sins against others. In this moment, I pray that you would feel just the presence and the calm and the love of Jesus, just saying the spirit is available. May you invite that spirit in to come and to take up residence in your heart. God promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And this spirit greater is he in you than is in the world. So God, we wanna give you all of our praise and all of our worship. And God, I wanna pray that in this season, your people would be led entirely by and through your spirit. We love you and we praise you. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.